everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And if this is your first time joining us, we're usually a pretty happy couple of married couple with four children. And uh, we homeschool and we do all sorts of things. But this week has been terrible. I'm really frustrated right now. And I, do, I need to do a show. I need to be in a good mindset. But nothing's gone according to plan. It's Thursday. We try to get the show out on Tuesday. And now we're going to have to cut this one short because we're just... we're. We want to get something out of for you, but we're totally running out of time. Yes, we have to get the kids out the door to judo class, and so we have a time limit. This week has not been terrible. The Trying last, to do the like, show has been the kind of last terrible. like three hours have not gone according to their, your plan, which colors your view of the whole week. Well, we tried doing a show on Tuesday and we didn't make it work. No, we didn't. I was gone. You bought me a stand-up paddleboard for our anniversary and sent me paddleboarding all See? day. Trying to do the show. So we, really what hard. we intended to do, I spent the day floating the river with retired folks instead, which was great. Today has also been terrible for me because this is our first week of school. I was going to say this is the first week of school. How's I that going? Homeschool. <laughs> the first day was fine, just typical working out the kinks, easing back in. Second day. So this is our, I've been using my father's world with Titus since he was in first grade. He is now in fifth grade. So we, and we, they do, first grade is a standalone thing. Second grade for the first kid and the oldest kid is a standalone thing. And then starting with third grade on up and then subsequent siblings once they're in second grade, you do what they call this family learning cycle. And it's a four year cycle and for subsequent years that a kid is doing the same thing they have added work and they go deeper than what they did four years earlier this is we're three years into a four-year cycle i'm really excited for when we start over because then i don't have to buy new curriculum (laughs) just workbook pages and a couple of added science things and whatnot for it's still it's buying the curriculum is still cheaper though than sending our kids to like private school oh for sure we I think we spent about $650 on curriculum this year, plus math was separate. Uh, um, what else did I do separately? Lesson, all lessons, piano, etc. are obviously separate. I speak Spanish, so I teach them. I don't buy a Spanish program. And then add-on books, like read-alouds and stuff, are additional. But we probably spend, even with school supplies, we we probably spend well under a thousand dollars a year to homeschool three kids, which people, there are people who do it cheaper, but in our town, it's between four and $5,000 per student to send them to a private school, which I realize is cheap for some areas for private school, but that's, that's what's average for us. And so to have three kids in school, we would be looking at 10 to $12,000. Uh, versus a thousand, and then it'll get cheaper in a couple of years when I'm not buying new stuff for and them. And then it'll get a lot cheaper when all the kids are out of the house. No, it won't because we'll be sending. Having, well, we might send them to college. I was having lunch with a friend today, and we were remarking on the fact that every single place we know has no employees. Like nobody can find anybody to work. We're trying to figure out where everybody is and what they're doing. And of course, you wonder right. how they make money. You know, well, three hundred dollars a week here, or child tax credit there, or whatever. That does that's that still, barely pays for an iPhone. Well, you and would you think, know all these people not working. You would think. I iPhones. mean, what are they? 
Uh, they don't have to pay rent because you know you can be forgiven for that right now. So I, is it paying for the drug? I don't even know. So we're trying. To, life is really expensive, and so I'm just I'm not sure. Are these people who aren't working. I don't, all I don't over know the how. Place? Yeah, it's really sad. We've got a couple of restaurants in Billings that are closing or on the verge of closing, and they're family-run restaurants. They're not. And he chains. told me, yeah, he told me the Sassy Biscuit downtown closed for like a month just because they, they couldn't, couldn't find people to work, yeah. and that's a military family. That got stationed here and she opened it. Are they sitting in their houses playing video games? They're not out in the world spending money because they don't have any money. (laughs) I don't don't know where they are, but it's not great for economy to have people not working. And I mean, if you think about it, what business was I thinking about that was on the verge of closing because they couldn't find enough people to work? But then what makes it tremendously sad is... The people who did want to work there and this family that's built up their dream, like there's an Indian restaurant in town and it's an Indian family and it's Billings, Montana. So it is maybe the Indian. And really Indian, good food. Really good food. Maybe the only Indian family in Billings and they can't find enough people. It's just the family and that's not enough to keep the restaurant going. And so they're they're looking at closing, which is so sad then because what then they do they do? They've spent their lives building this up what do they what do they do for work yeah. it's just so bad for the economy to have this cascade mm. really sad uh so a couple of days of school went really well though because we have we're so used to this i do spiral notebook assignments and on tuesday that actually worked out really well for you sending me paddle boarding in the happy afternoon. anniversary babe so if you guys missed it it was our anniversary on Tuesday. Tuesday, which is why I did more schedules than Angie. We spent our anniversary with JR watching the kids and my mom. Thanks, mom. And I paddleboarded with some neighbors and a friend, most of whom are retired. Hmm. Um, on her new paddleboard that I On my her. new paddleboard. Um, but the kids got up and before I had made breakfast, had worked about half of the way through their list because they just knew the routine. And that's the benefit of not of doing the same thing year after year. Mm-hmm. They know what to do. Mm-hmm. And on a good day, they jump into it. They go at it. The challenge here is last year, I really only I don't I don't particularly believe in kindergarten. And so I don't really do kindergarten. I tried to teach Elise to read last year. and She just was not ready. So she's technically first grade this year. Well, is she, you know, this is homeschool, so you never know. But so, so she has actually picked up being able to read bits and pieces over the summer as she has uh, grown in the desire to be able to read. So I'm very glad that I just quit beating my head against the wall with her last year because she's able to do it this year. But because she is able to do it and she wants to, that means that I now have three kids that I'm schooling instead of just two, and I've got two doing more or less the same thing, and one doing an entirely different curriculum, because she can't do the same thing as the big kids until she can read and do math. And let's not forget about the toddler running around causing Oh, the terrible toddler. You guys, every year, the youngest one is the worst in homeschooling. When I started teaching Titus, he... So I did do kindergarten for him, because I was an ambitious homeschool mom for my first... He was the first kid. Uh, So I did five in a row which is a curriculum going through books. Uh, and Lily being slightly behind him 
joined in and there were a couple of days we were living in my parents' basement at the time and I we were just doing school at a card table and there were a couple of days where Elise, who was one and a half at the time, felt so left out and angry about it that she climbed on the table and just threw everything on the table off. And I tried everything. I tried putting her in a playpen because we had a friend who told us that she had trained her youngest that he had to sit in a playpen while they were doing school. I tried locking her in rooms, but those rooms didn't lock from the outside like we now have in this house. She and she would if if I locked her in a room or something, she would just scream. But if I she was so not used to being left out and Faith is feeling the pain of all of a sudden everyone's got something to do except for her. And so a kid will be, we do piano currently through an iPad app and she, one of the kids will be sitting there playing and you know, it rates you on how well you do literally by how it hears you playing the piano. So she'll just stand at the edge of the piano and beat the keys and down at the low end of it. And and it just just because she she knows that it's going to screw them up and she doesn't want to be left out of the learning we're doing or will be anyway uh that has been for sure a struggle and we have every summer I intend to keep us going on math because your brain turns to mush and you can't do math and Titus has some sort of learning disability where it comes to math and he can't do math to save his life he's our 10 year old and sure enough, I mean, eight plus or five plus three is a world ending crisis right now, especially today. We did like four math problems today with, with him. Titus. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. And I was starting to doubt myself and think maybe I'm there's something, maybe there's something wrong with me. And then he and Lily are doing essentially the same review a grade level apart and she just breezed through it but part of my challenge right now is I have to do all of Elisa's math with her and she's going full bore in a math book now I have to do all of her reading lesson with her I I have her starting on piano I didn't get to it today and then I have to sit and do Titus's and Lily's math and English with both of them and it's so incredibly time intensive I have not finished all of their school any of the days yet this week, which is kind of discouraging. And I'm rushing around trying to balance kid to kid, and it literally leaves me breathless by lunchtime. Well, I'm over here upset because I can't start a podcast at 2 o'clock. Yeah, I actually... <laughs> About wrapped... threw one of those fresh rolls at me? Well, uh, oh. yeah, I'm in... Anyway, um, it's... I know things will level out... But uh, but today is or this week has been a challenge. And I was just telling a friend, we do four day school weeks typically, even if our curriculum has us have doing things on on all five days. I try to squeeze it into four days because we do things like you're taking the kids biking tomorrow. So in order to not be on a weird, okay, we're doing Friday school on Monday. Uh, I want to just close the book on week one of school. We're Friday school on Saturday. Well, you can make them all do school on Saturday. I don't want to do school on Saturday. Yeah, it sounds like a terrible. Idea. I have I have several bins worth of Faith's old clothes that she's outgrown that I have a goal to sort through. 
this weekend. So cool. anyway, does anybody um, want clothes? We got clothes. Um, so I on to less complainy, frustrating. If you're a homeschool parent and you've done all this before, you can. You're welcome to send me encouragement that I will survive this. <laughs> if you are not a homeschool parent, I don't blame you for regretting losing the last ten minutes of your life to me complaining. Uh. <laughs> I teased people on if you follow us on Instagram oh. yesterday I found a praying mantis in our on our garage floor and our cats have been on a very uh aggressive varmint elimination streak recently and that's kind of my attempt at a euphemism for our cats have been killing things left and right I just we just rabbits and birds, birds and, and rabbits, mice, yeah. and I. I found yesterday on our garage floor a praying mantis, not a giant one. He's probably two two inches long. One of the ones we just released. We released him to his death. Well, and his head was cut off at his neck, but still kind of attached. Mm-hmm. And he had, it seemed like a recent thing because some of his back legs were still twitching a little bit, but. He was obviously totally done for. His head was barely on. And I wondered if that was the result of having just mated. Getting lucky. Right. Because as we know, or maybe you don't know. If you're going to go out, praying praying mantises are... (laughs) No, no, no. It gets so much more interesting than that, JR. You guys, if you're not... If, if if you're not one of our people, this might be your last episode with us. <laughs> this is though science. And I will send JR the BBC uh or National Geo. It's a it's a guy with a British accent narrating this clip about cuz I cuz then I had to google this to learn what was going on, right? What does it look like when a female praying mantis after they mate, the female praying mantis bites off the head of the male? So this is. I'm hearing. This I'm is hearing joke. British dialogue this in my is head now. Jo- oh, you have to he watch. Mounts the female. You have to watch this clip. So females are a lot bigger than the males praying mantises. That's how you can tell the difference if you catch them, especially in the fall when they're really big. Kind of like and, a, when a border collie sneaks into the yard. Right. And no, no, no. A let's let's not let's not be any more crude than we need to with this story. So I'm showing JR right now. She turns a picture. around and bites his head. This is a female praying mantis that I just found on the pallet fence of our garden. And you see how her belly's super distended? Mm-hmm. It's full of eggs cool. that she will lay in this foamy egg sack. And she'll there'll be hundreds of them. And it'll be um, like the size of a bouncy ball that you get from a vending machine wow, that's a or like ball. a giant bubble thing and it's this foamy thing and it actually she the looks, one that killed our man um i she, the culprit? she did not kill him ah. um that was a cat i oh. determined or something something does, else does the female eat the entire head or just yes, bite the head off she eats it um but so so uh, it, it's actually okay. <laughs> I have two strains of thought that I'm trying to finish right now. Sorry. So, so she lays this egg sag, and like her whole belly, it looks like a woman in labor. Like her whole belly is going like <laughs> in and out while she's squeezing Molly's out this making, uh, foamy, motion, wavy hand motion. This foamy thing that has the fertilized eggs in it. Apparently, 
eating the male praying mantis's head or sometimes his whole body or most of it except for the gross you know the not pleasant to eat parts um for whatever is not pleasant to eat if you're a praying mantis um gives her extra nutrition so think like in in other countries uh crickets are a great source of protein they're super healthy for you and here in the u.s you can buy like a five dollar granola bar that's made out of cricket meal ground up dried crickets uh so it's super nutritious and sometimes males are a little skittish because they apparently maybe know this is coming i don't know after watching all this (laughs) i'm I'm not convinced that praying mantises are not actually sex craved cannibalistic aliens like even (laughs) even the way their heads work and they look at you and praying mantises are as far as i know i studied this the first year that we collected dave named after king david the best prayer actually (laughs) i called i called king david during our last family worship night i called king david the best prayer ever and lily was like um no i think jesus was the best prayer ever and i was like okay yep you just jesus juked me big time jesus was for sure the best prayer ever because he had the most intimate relationship with god ever for a human but so david is number two of the best prayer and we named our first praying mantis david after king david anyway studying this apparently praying mantises are some of the only or the only insect that's known to watch human behavior and so, and you'll see this if you have one in a jar, they have articulated heads where a grasshopper or other animals, like an ant, can't turn its head. A grasshopper can't turn its head. It's got eyes everywhere, or a fly. They've got eyes everywhere, but they don't, they don't turn their heads. And praying mantises are more like owls, where they can turn their head all the way around and watch, and they watch people's movement. I feel like there was a uh, there was a series of movies in the nineties. Um, Natasha Henstridge, Species. She was a sex craved cannibalistic alien. <laughs> I mean, I don't think she was cannibalistic. Did she? But did she her murdered. Face look like a praying mantis. No, face? her face looked like a beautiful supermodel blonde. But that's the whole thing. It was kind of like this veneer, mm. and so she would murder them. And eat them? After she was done mating. Okay. For survival purposes. Uh-huh. For the eggs. Okay. So, the so, plot line was taken directly from science. So, <laughs> male praying mantises are smaller. They get on the back of the female praying mantis to mate. And then, you guys have to watch this BBC clip. I'm literally sitting here thinking, how are we going to work Jesus into this episode, our short episode? Not yet. Except you just did with the prayer thing. Well, and God made God made praying mantises, and they're super cool. <laughs> we don't have to have a Jesus application, a direct Jesus application, to everything. Um. So so then you know you can use your imaginations for how their back ends because they don't have visible genitalia, right? For how their back ends come together, kind of like if you see dragonflies or grasshoppers on top of each other. And there's this BBC clip says he caresses her with his antennae to soothe her. And you see his antennae rubbing her head and her antennae. And then, and then, um, 
she just uses that articulated head and turns around and bites into his head. And the BBC commentator, because it's the British, says, these aren't just little love nips. This is more than that. Yeah, no kidding. And then, this is wild. (laughs) His body apparently has a tiny brain down there that keeps him mating (laughs) for several hours after she's eaten his head. That's twisted. And so, the apparently, if she maybe she maybe he has to. Maybe his head has to be eaten. No, it doesn't have the, to. Because sometimes, sometimes that's just a pure pleasure thing. Sometimes they they escape. Like the male gets skittish and escapes with his life. Whoa, maybe freaky. not with having reproduce with maybe not with having created offspring, but he escapes with his life. But apparently, the chances of her eggs being well fertilized and viable and hatching the next spring are higher because of the nutritional content she gets from eating at least his head if not more of him because then it takes a while for the eggs to form inside her before she expels this every man listening to this show right now is like i'm gonna be grateful that i just have to give a back rub i (laughs) so anyway that um has been a really fascinating learning adventure for me and I sent the BBC video to Addie earlier today and she responds I'm gonna watch this with my how old is Windsor Windsor is Elise's age with my six-year-old yep do it (laughs) before I could say maybe not she says wow (laughs) (laughs) so um, science is super weird sometimes and also Sex-craved cannibalistic aliens. I like that. Anyway, so I did... I'm trying to remember what alien... There's an alien in a movie that looks just like a praying mantis's head with a lot of V-shaped The stereotypical Martian head is is a praying mantis-shaped head, even with the eyes in the right place. Hmm. I'm sensing something here. Uh, Anyway, so... This whole... I don't remember praying mantises being... Somebody's listening to us. You guys are not Christian. We are weird. We are... I actually... And then while I was out in the garden taking pictures and video of this praying mantis that I'd found and all the kids came out and oohed at how big her belly was, I thought, you know, I'm going to just take pictures and do an Instagram tour of my garden because it's getting, it's not super fruitful. <laughs> we get maybe two cherry tomatoes a day and a couple of bell pepper. Or a That's better peppers. than drowning in cherry in tomatoes. We've had I, years I, where we've drowned in I tomatoes. I know, but I can preserve them and stuff. Fair. I would rather have <clears> too many. But we've eaten one batch of green beans because we planted our garden about a month later than is ideal in Montana. But... I decided to do an Instagram tour of it, and I think that there's something tremendously valuable in being outside and slowing down, and as you know, I'm a bit of a hippie, and so I was actually barefoot out there because I like being barefoot, and I also think that it's good for your body to be barefoot, especially outside on natural surfaces. And so I'm wandering up and down and just enjoying the amazingness that is God's creation that we have right at our back door. For example, 
I took a picture of this arugula plant that has gone to seed and it's probably four feet across and three feet high and it's just full of these little yellow flowers and bees, not wasps, we have a lot of really bad wasps, but bees, the endangered kind, absolutely apparently love arugula flowers. Are bees endangered? Yeah, you didn't know that bees are endangered? No. Things kill bees, and bees are super important to our whole ecosystem. So there's a lot of efforts to save bees. And huh. so, I mean, are they officially on the endangered? I species know they're list? not officially on the, but there's a lot of worry oh. about bees right, well. being killed off. Right. But so this this arugula plant, I walk out there, and when I'm three to four feet away from it, I can hear the buzz of the <clears> bees, <throat> and they're climbing in these tiny yellow flowers, and they're just filling their little pollen pockets on their legs with bright yellow pollen and they there are probably I kid you not 50 to 100 bees on this plant at any given time just bustling wow. around and buzzing and it it fills me with a delight that I can't really explain to mm. have this little world of happy bees <laughs> doing their thing on happy flowers and our kitten follows me up and down every row of the garden and she crouches in the plants and then when I crouch down to take a picture of the bee she jumps out <laughs> wanting me to pet her literally other, every row the other day total total rabbit trail the other day I was looking out the window and I saw all the kids were playing I think it was like yesterday all the kids were playing outside in the yard and I look out the window and I see Minerva the quote-unquote kitten. kitten she's she's out at the end of the yard she's crouching single hopping crouching single hopping it looked like she was chasing something but i had this she chases this comment like that this sometimes. comment you made that sometimes she thinks she's a grasshopper mm-hmm. made me wonder if she was just mimicking a grasshopper just because mm. she just because she weird. could i don't know <laughs> cats cats have crazy brains so anywho I right, you got fifteen minutes. Yeah, no, I was I was just minutes. thinking about with all of the crazy going on in our world and um the the COVID virus rearing back up and apparently that we now have variants down to the Greek letter Mu, which is M. Oh my so gosh. if you think Delta is what's big in the United States right now, but they've identified <sighs> variants all the way down to M. Well, of course, they already. mutate. Everybody That's, knows a virus mutates. Well, hashtag science, apparently hashtag science thinks... Here, see, okay, here's the thing about about what I think is going I on with I was in, so much... I wish I was in the vaccination of trust industry. trust the science. Because I would, have oh. a, I would have... This is a market for a different vaccination for every single variant. Well, at this point, they're not creating a vaccination for the variant. They're Follow just... Oh, the money. Oh, so much money. So much money. They're not creating variants. They're just saying you need a booster and that'll help you somewhat for the next variant. But how many, right. how many, money. how far down the line in variants? Because even Delta from the original, the vaccine vaccination is less effective. How many variants, anyway, how many vari- variants I, of the flu have we had over the years? So changes every year. It does change every year. And the vaccination is always hit or miss for it. So there's two things. One, if you are like me and you think that this came out of the lab in China, 
even if it was accidentally released, this is playing God, right? We have this God complex that we should be able to do whatever we want with nature. I feel like I've talked about the human God complex before. We feel like we should be able to do whatever we want with nature because we, we, technology, especially modern mankind, I think I think every era of mankind has had this God complex hubris in different oh, yeah. ways. In our modern world, it's knowledge and communication via the internet and technology makes us feel so godlike, even when we reject the idea of God. So we can play with nature. We should be able to control nature, which is why things like the hurricane going on down south right now are so incredibly humbling because God with a bat of his eye, metaphorical eye, like the Old Testament talks about God having eyes and other body parts, with the bat of his eye wipes out a huge portion of of the southern United States or of the islands uh, below us. It It's simply, it's simply so humbling for a human to be helpless in the face of a force of nature like a like a hurricane as well as something that's part of nature like a bad virus and so we've got two sides of the god complex one is we should be able to play god and you know do this gain of function research and create these hybrid viruses and oops it got out and now we should be able to fix it we should we sh- technology should be able to fix it if we could just get people to do what we believe they need to do, we would fix this. We would get control of it. And as the Psalms say, God sits in heaven and laughs. Well, literally the nations are raging right now and the peoples are literally plotting in vain right now because God is in heaven and God does what he pleases. And when people think that we can be like God... It always has disastrous results. Going all the way back to Genesis 3, disastrous results. And so my solution right now, because I'm not just a scientist sitting at the National Institute of Health saying if only those peons in Montana would let them make their kids wear masks to school or those nitwits in Florida would get vaccinated... I'm a mom sitting in my schoolroom saying, if only these kids would do exactly what I want, then my life would go according to plan. And we all play God in our various ways. And I think that we, first of all, need to stay in his word to stay grounded and humble. Second of all, doing things like being outside. God created our bodies to be calmed and refreshed by sunshine, by fresh air, and that, and doing things like enjoying the bees or the homeschool philosophy of Charlotte Mason calls for kids to actually spend an entire day outside once a week, which we probably do cumulatively just because we have a big yard and our kids like to be outside. But, um, I think that that sort of thing, the grounding is what helps us to stay actually sane. Think about Jeremiah. The exiles are told, plant gardens, build homes, 
seek to prosper even in this sociopolitical chaos and even though you're living as exiles you can seek the peace of the little community you're in and you can prosper here because you you're trusting God and you're seeking to do good where you are and so for me the being outside in the garden or whatever it is that you guys do I I have my favorite book the supper of the lamb here because my friend Nicole over the weekend raved and raved about hollandaise sauce and she apparently owns this book but hasn't read it yet and oh. I, I've had it sitting on my on my nightstand because I keep meaning to send her this this passage This is probably the most It is the most marked up book mark, I own. Yes, yeah, most marked up book. But shows. but what's something so the supper of the lamb a culinary reflection by Robert Farrar Capon and he was a a priest Anglican in the 1950s. This book was originally published in 1967 and then republished under the auspices of, oh, what was her name? Ruth Reichel in 2002. And it's kind of hit or miss if you can get it for a reasonable price. I think right the last time I checked it was in the $20 range, which for a little paperback is crazy. But he has an entire chapter that the book is thoughts about food and very grounding rich theological reflections on food also kind of esoteric is it, it's so weird i don't know how to describe this book it's esoteric and grounding at the same time so there's mm-hmm. an entire chapter on cutting an entire chapter because the man was brilliant it is an entire chapter on knives there's an entire chapter on cutting an onion and he says what i want you to do is sit with your onion and cut it and study it and study this layer. For example, pause still. Reflect how little smell there is to a whole onion. How well the noble reek was contained till now by encompassing dryness. Reflect too how it is the humors and sauces of being that give the world flavor. How all life come from the sea and how without water nothing can hold a soul. Reflect finally what a soul the onion must have if it boasts such juices. Your eyes will not yet have begun to water nor the membranes of your nose to recoil. The onion has only, if it will, whispered to you. You know, and then you cut further into it and it makes your eyes water. And he has all sorts of interesting comparisons for that. And, you know, classic. Did you ever do this in homeschool science where you look at an onion membrane Hmm? under because it's one cell thick and it's a way to see a cell? I should do that with the kids. We're studying cells right now. Anyway, uh, so I think that in this day and age, even with all of the chaos going around, going on around us, it's tremendously important to ground your soul in what is good and beautiful and tangible and profitable in your immediate sphere. And also, do you know what the two biggest risk factors for dying of COVID in the United States are? Nope. I'm actually asking you a question. It's not rhetorical. They oh, are... Uh, I'm guessing... Besides old age. Take old age out of the factor. <sighs> okay, I'm taking old age out of the factor. I'm guessing... Um, stress and anxiety and... Loneliness. Stress and anxiety Boom. is one, and obesity is the other. Ah, so the same 
two high risk factors as heart disease and heart attack. Yes. According to my dad's cardiologist. Yes. Stress and anxiety actually affect you at a cellular level. There's this guy I follow on Instagram who is a prolific podcaster and probably would not consider himself even remotely friendly to the conservative worldview. He's a he's a dietitian, really hip looking black guy. His first name is Sean. I can't remember what his last name is right now, but his Instagram handle is Sean Model and he will do podcast clips and stuff and he's gotten tremendously he's gone after the media really hardcore because he'll play these clips of doctors saying these hysterical sounding things and he says, look, you can actually be helping people by giving them advice to build their immune system. There's so many things you can do that sound tremendously basic, like get a good night's sleep. Sleep is really good for your immune system. Uh, eat healthy food. And he's got an entire book on sleep and an entire book on food. And he, anyway, so he harps on the, the ma- mainstream media for promoting anxiety. And he's got a clip I could probably try to find it for you. It would take some work, but I could try on on how anxiety actually affects you at a cellular level. Anyway, I'm going to conclude by a very not anxiety inducing thing, which is reading a clip from The Supper of the Lamb because he's just oh, he's so lovely. You guys should totally read this book. But he talks about how food is an epiphany of the greatness of our nature, or to use the most accurate theological word at all of all, it is a sacrament, a real presence of the gorgeous mystery of our being. People have responded to the Supper of the Lamb. He's writing this in 2002 about the last 60 years of people enjoying the book. I think because after all the modern reductionism about food, like food is only a necessity, food is nothing but nourishment, It gave them solid reasons for glorying in the truth that they had suspected all along, namely that food was life and that life was good. Admittedly, that is a hard insight to keep track of. Food these days is often identified as the enemy. Butter, salt, sugar, eggs are all out to get you. And yet, at our best, we know better. Butter is, well, butter. It glorifies almost everything it touches. Salt is the sovereign perfecter of all foods. Eggs, pure and simple, are one of the wonders of the world. And if you put them all together, you get not sudden death, but hollandaise, which is in its own way not one bit less a marvel than the gothic arch, the computer chip, or a Bach fugue. Food, like all the other triumphs of human nature, is evidence of civilization, of that priestly gift by which we lift the whole world into the exchanges of the ultimate city, which even God himself longs to see it become. So go enjoy yourself some good food. Go enjoy yourself some bees on flowers. And And Molly just said the solution to this the solution to not dying from COVID. The answer is holiday sauce. (laughs) I don't think a doctor, most mainstream doctors would approve of that, but um, this dead Anglican priest would. You get the idea. Thanks for listening to us. We did cut the show short because, as you, well, we told you why at the beginning of the show. If you want to send us a message, you can email us at tb2f at pm.me. You can send me a text, 406-318-7136, and I'll forward that on to Molly. You can uh, send us a uh, message on Instagram, or you can... 
probably you can also send us um, through the probably number one way that new people interact with us. And I qualified that by new. And that's by sending us a postcard on our website. Um, the number one way people interact with, uh, with us is either text or I think Instagram messages. Mm-hmm. But new people almost always respond via postcard. So those are how you can reach us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the show. Um, even if you don't like something, we'd like to hear that too. But uh, anyway, thank if you we're for... in a good mood, we'd like to hear it. Yeah. So, but <laughs> most of all, thanks for listening. It's just, it's really, it's really great that you guys have spent some time with us. We appreciate your ears and your time and um, look forward to maybe seeing you in person one day. And I think we need to go eat dinner now for judo. Yep. Correct. What's for dinner? We're having Frito pie. Oh. So I've had chili cooking in the crock pot all day. I'm going to go. I'm going to go to judo feeling all fat. Just have have a bowl of chili with a couple Fritos on top of it. Okay. It's made with grass-fed beef. It's really good for you. I know. I need the protein. I just... Man, 42 has been rough. Like, I can go weeks without eating and still gain weight, and I can't figure out how that happens. You actually don't go for weeks without eating. I don't, but I feel like I go a long time and I still gain weight without eating food, but whatever. All right, guys, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.